And we are back. Welcome back to another episode of the Depressed Cincinnati Sports Fan Podcast. I am Jesse. On this podcast, we're obviously going to recap the Bengals' tough loss last Sunday to the Houston Texans, 30-27. to I will be doing a short, very, very short box score recap. And then we're going to have positive negatives from the game. Also, we're going to talk about what the hell is going on with the defense, the defense blues just continues with the run defense and for whatever reason, the Bengals just love making mediocre receivers look like the next Jerry Rice. It's ridiculous. Also, I'm going to talk about the key injuries on this team. And also the Bengals have a short week because as I record this podcast, the Bengals have a game against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore on Thursday night football, quick turnaround. It's a must win if the Bengals want to at least have a shot at the AFC North crown. And also, we're going to take a look at the AFC North. Lots of going on in that division. Lots of key injuries, unfortunately. You hate to see it. And it's the toughest division in the league. It's, it's pretty much what me and also Tommy expected, that the AFC North was going to be the best division in football. And so far, it's living up to that expectation. And also, we'll do trivia at the end. And I'm always joined with my guy, Tommy Stewart. Tommy, how are you doing on this Wednesday afternoon? One game before the Bengals play a key Thursday night game against the Ravens. How are we feeling, <laughs> sir? Pretty good for the most part. The weather's nice out here in Chicago, so that part's good. A little nervous about the game, but it'll be hopefully a fun one to watch. And, you know, we'll get into all that. But it's uh, good weather here, which is good enough for me right now. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, it's good weather here in Cincinnati, Ohio on this Wednesday. It's like 69 degrees. I'm not even going to make that joke because, you know, <laughs> we're trying to be mature here on this podcast. But, no, it, it's it's great weather. And, honestly, I was very nervous heading into the Houston, Texas game. I even told you that. Just because, you know, the Bengals on a four-game winning streak heading into that game, I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is the ultimate trap game. And I know the Bengals weren't looking ahead to the, to the Baltimore Ravens. Their focus was on the Houston Texans, but I was nervous. And unfortunately, my nervousness, uh, it came into fruition and the Bengals lost. And it was just, it was a great football game if you were a casual fan and you're not a fan of both teams. But as a fan, honestly, I didn't really like watching that game because the emotions and feeling like we're going to get blown out, not blown out, feeling like, okay, the Texans were in control, and then they found a way to give the Bengals life, and then we pretty much got our hopes, you know, written out of our hearts. I, that's the that's the thing I didn't like about that game, you know? <laughs> no, I get that. Ugh, oh like, goodness. yeah, so I guess we got to do a, a box score recap. But like I said, I'm just going to – it's going to be short. Like, I'm just going to talk about the, the scoring drives. There ain't going to be no key drives that happen, this or that, because – we're trying to move on from this game. But the Bengals got the ball to begin the game, and they went 10 plays, 75 yards, took five minutes and 17 seconds off the clock. Third and seven from the Houston 32. Joe Burrow threw an absolute dime, absolute target to Trent Irwin for a 32-yard touchdown reception. Seven-nothing Bengals. Texans' first touchdown came. They go seven plays. 66 yards, three minutes and three seconds off the clock. First and goal from the Bengals six. CJ Stroud found rookie receiver Tank Dell 7-7. And then the Texans 
grabbed the lead in this game. Nine plays, 61 yards, two minutes and 30 seconds off the clock. Newly kicker for them, Matt, Matt Amadola. No relation to Danny Amadola. 45-yard field goal out. 10-7 Texans at the half. Second half, Houston score another field goal. 11 plays, 72 yards, five minutes and 33 seconds off the clock. 22-yard field goal, 13-7 Texans. And then this play, this drive right here went two plays, 59 yards. On that drive, DJ Turner, the Bengals' rookie cornerback, got called for a lame-ass P.I. on him. And it ended with a Devin Singletary six-yard touchdown run. He pretty much walked in. 27 Houston. And then the Bengals finally scored points for, for the first time since their first scoring drive of the game. Seven plays. 43 yards, four minutes and eight seconds off the clock. Evan hit a 50-yard field goal to make it 20 to 10. And then Joe Burrow found Jamar Chase on this touchdown drive for the Bengals. Five plays, 73 yards, a minute and 23 seconds off the clock. Second and 12 at the Bengals, 36. Joe rolling out to the left on the move, throws an absolute dime to Jamar, wide open for a 64-yard touchdown reception. Bengals back in it, 20 to 17 Texans. And then what a response by the Houston Texans on their next drive. Six plays, 75 yards, two minutes and 23 seconds off the clock. First and goal from the Bengals, eight. C.J. Stroud ran it in for a touchdown, 27-17 Houston. And then later in the game, late, late in the game, two plays, 42 plays, two plays. Yeah, it is two plays, duh. Two plays, four yards, took only 15 seconds. Joe Mixon ran it in for one yard out. The key play in that drive was CTB's interception. What a I don't know what the Texans were thinking on third and three, I believe. They should have just ran the ball because they ran the ball like crazy against us. Run the ball, ice the game. But instead, CJ Stratton decided to go play action and CTB read it. It could have been a pick six, but he was stopped at the four-yard line. 27-24 Houston. And the Bengals. Oh, my gosh. If Tyler Boyd didn't drop the touchdown pass, it would have been the go-ahead touchdown. It could have been the winning touchdown. Six plays, 58 yards, 37 seconds off the clock. McPherson from 31 yards out, 27-27. And then the Texans hit a 38-yard field goal at the buzzer. Uh, 30, Houston, 27, Cincinnati. Final stats. Joe Burrow was 27 for 46. Well, that's 40. That's at a zero, whatever it is. 347, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He was sacked four times. Joe Mixon had 11 carries for 46 yards in that touchdown. He averaged 4.2 yards per rush. Jamar Chase, five catches, 124, a touchdown. Tyler Boyd, eight catches, 117, and two drops. Trent Irwin, two catches, 54 yards in that touchdown. And then Tanner Hudson, he had six catches for 33 yards. But in that first opening drive by the Bengals, he had five. And then C.J. Stroud, the rookie quarterback for the Houston Texans, 23 for 39 for 356. A touchdown, that pick. Devin Singletary had a Walter Payton game. He had 30 carries for 150, 5.0 average yards per rush. And a touchdown, I'm going to throw up. And then Noah Brown had a Calvin Johnson moment, seven catches for 172, 24.6 average yards per catch. God, I'm going to throw up again. And then the Texas D-line, 
I was very surprised because coming into this game, I didn't really think highly of them, but they dominated the Bengals offensive line. And that was a shock to me pretty much all game. The run defense by the Bengals, they're not good this year. So Devin Singletary going off like that, I, I wasn't expecting, but it's like I'm not surprised. The Texans D-line, they had a great, great game plan, and they just they just bullied the Bengals off of the line, period, point blank. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for the shortest edition of the box score recap. You got anything to add, Tommy, before we go? Through our negatives and there is positives from this game. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing, nothing that I won't talk about later. Yeah, we're 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 both just over this game. But if there's any, let's see, do I want to go with positives or negatives first? Let's. With the negatives because I think I have one, two, I got a lot to talk about and I don't want to spend so much time on it, but number one the Bengals run defense you know after they played the Seahawks and the Niners and the Bills they contained Kenneth, Witts, Kenneth, is it Kenneth Walker, yeah, Kenneth Walker, the third of the Seahawks and then for some reason the 49ers did not want to give Christian McCaffrey a lot more carries, which still blows my mind. And then the Bills. Who are the Bills running back? Is it Cook? Is it James Cook? Am I right? James Cook. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Those three games by the Bengals run defense. Really good. So you're thinking coming into this game against the Texans, oh, Devin Singletary? Oh, that guy is just he's a he ain't he ain't that good. He has his moments, but he's not like spectacular. The hey, the fact that he was able to just run with ease. And also, after he gets, like, a big run, he kept moving. Like, he his, like he just kept moving his truck and his legs. I'm like, oh, my God. You guys can't tackle him? Like, he's not a big running back. But holy shit, y'all are treating him like Rudy Johnson. Like, tackle him. It, it, it was just it's, – it's bad. And I think missing Sam Hubbard in this game, it did hurt the run defense, but – you think that it would have helped? Probably. I don't know. But damn. I think I think some Bengals fans, including myself, I think we do take for granted of Sam Hubbard. But sheesh, that I thought Osai, I thought Miles Murphy, I thought Joseph Osai was gonna make an impact this year. And so far, you know that you know that milk carton, you know, when you you see that somebody's missing, you should put Joseph Osai's face on there because that man there's a couple of plays I saw from the All-22 in that game where he got destroyed, and I'm just, like, shaking my head. I'm like, yeah, are you sure we're going to re-sign this guy next year? Because, you know, man, fuck that noise, respectfully. But, yeah, Bengals run defense was bad. And then the no pass rush. Like, like what are we doing? Like, this, is a, this was a perfect game for Osai and Miles Murphy to actually, like, Proved to themselves that, you know what? You're going to be part of this rotation. Well, that didn't happen in this game because C.J. Stroud, he barely got touched. Just uh, no pass rush at all. And then you allow Noah Brown to go off. Like, he went off against the Bengals when he was a Cowboy last year. The fact that he had 172 on this team, like, what? Oh, my gosh. That, 
I think that really made me like wanted to just like punch a wall and just like like what are we doing? Like there was one point I think no, it was towards the end of the game when the Texans were driving to kick the game winning field goal where Noah Brown caught the ball for the first down and instead of just tackling him, the fucking Bengals defenders just try to strip the ball. It's like tackle him. Why are you giving him more yards? He gained like 15 more yards after the catch, and it made it an easier field goal for that kicker, Amadola. Say if you would have tackled Noah Brown like a fucking cornerback, you're supposed to tackle him, not try to go for the fucking strip. If you would have done that, it would have been a longer field goal attempt. And, you know, the guy that kicked the game when he field goal, that, it looked like it was going to be wide right, but he barely made it. So uh, it's just, a, a, I, don't, I, didn't get, I didn't get that at all. So allowing Noah Brown to go off like that, it's it's downright disgraceful. Like Bengals defense, you should be ashamed of yourself. Seriously, like fuck. And then the offense after a great, great opening drive, the Bengals offense. When Joe Burrow went and did the target pose, I'm like, okay, we're gonna score 40 points. After that, it just went punt, 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 punt. Like what happened? And Zach Taylor said after the game or during the week this week, he's like, well, that's on me. You know, I should have got the offense more rhythm. I'm like, dude, like, you get fucked, man. Like, come on. Quit with these excuses. It's like you're the you're the play caller, unfortunately, but you're saying that, oh, it's my fault. Yeah, you, you, you ruined the momentum of that first drive because, shit, it looked like the Bengals were going to score a lot of points in that game. Nope, they didn't. And then – Trey Henderson got hurt at the end of the game. Fortunately, he only hyperextended his knee. I think the media, especially the Cincinnati media, they blew it out of proportion. You know, fuck them. But Trey looks like he's going to play on Thursday night against the Ravens. So, And he's a psychopath. So we're going to need Trey. But the Bengals need to – they got to move around Trey. He's in that one spot all fucking game. Move around. Move him around. Do something. Get him matched up against the – opponent's weaker lineman or something like this staff is so mm, when to watch my words they're just so stupid at times they really are and then joe burrow those two picks especially the last one into triple coverage is like i know joe was trying to make a play because the team was down but joe like if it's not there throw the ball away my guy tyler boy wasn't open he wasn't and then tyler boy listen <sighs> You've done a lot for this franchise, and you have been, quote-unquote, Mr. Dependable when it comes to key catches and never dropping, you know, the football and all that stuff. But, my guy, lately, you've been dropping some key passes in these games. And, yes, if it wasn't for Tyler Boyd's heroics in the fourth quarter, the Bengals would, not, would have not been in that position. But, dog, come on now. You you got to keep got to catch that. Like, every time I see that replay of those drop passes, I'm like, my guy, it's right there. Perfect ball by Joe. Fuck. And then the running game, Mixon only had 11 carries. You know, Zach Taylor doesn't like running the football. So when he saw that Joe Mixon was up to 10 carries, he's like, oh, shit. Okay, one more carry. That's it for you for the whole game. Joe, you're going to complete and you're going to 10 50 passes. Oh, get fucked. And then the tackling, like I talked about the defense, like I, I think I counted probably like seven missed tackles in this game. Just unbelievable. And, yeah, I don't know why I'm getting worked up. The game is already in the past, but I haven't done the podcast, so I just need to let this out. It's my venting session. And 
Wusa, Tommy, let's hear your negatives, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are good ones. I agree with with all of them. I mean, <clears throat> just picking up where you left off, the missed tackles or just like avoiding tackling is frustrating every week. It seems like we do this and, you know, missing tackles is not good in general, but I understand when you're trying, like it's late in the game, you're trying to force a fumble because you want to get the ball back. But like at that point, I think they're, if you had just tackled the guy where he was, they didn't have time left. Like, they their kicker basically would have had to kick a career high or a career long to win the game at that point. And we got an extra, I don't know, 10 or 12 yards just by trying to force the fumble. If like, yeah, I don't know. Just annoying, frustrating. Um, once again, the running game was a low, um, both because we ignore it completely and can't get it going at all. There's a couple that you've sent me of, mix in just like completely missing where he's supposed to go or he's like i don't know if the dude is just so used to the offensive line being bad that he's so used to just creating his own thing and that he doesn't even look for the holes anymore i don't know but it's not good and it's just it ends up asking joe burrow to try to play hero ball which he's more than capable of doing but it probably is getting exhausting at some point it would be nice to just like run some clock out at the very least for your defense to rest a little bit because the possessions go so quickly if you have a three and out when you're not even running the ball because you're killing like 15 seconds off the clock if it's like incompletions and short routes that the defense is coming right back out. So we need to do that better. I don't know how. Um, don't know if we're capable of doing it, but that is once again in the negatives category. If you are surprised at all, which you shouldn't be, we did lose the time of possession battle. And as we know, that's when we lose games this year is when we can't win the time of possession battle. Felt like all of their drives were long, sustained, you know, mix of run and pass. CJ Stroud making good plays. Noah Brown, who, by the way, had a lifetime career high in reception yards. He's never had, he had 172 yards, never done that in the pros or in college. Um, so that's great. And so that's just whatever. But like, I mean, the, the part that was frustrating to me is uh, CJ Stroud is awesome. Love CJ Stroud. I think he's doing really, really awesome. He's number two in the entire league in yards still to, I think has only thrown two interceptions his entire career, which is crazy. But any NFL quarterback with the time in the pocket and as clean of a pocket as we gave this dude for 95% of that game, I mean, of course he's going to find open receivers. And of course that they're going to find soft spots in the zone. If you have five seconds to throw the ball and we're playing zone defense, it's going to be pretty damn easy to find where the open spot is. So <laughs> I know we're going to talk about the play calling a little bit in, in a bit, but um, that was something that I thought was not a good look for us just because and i i know that you know maybe when i look more i'm I'm sure it's not actually like this but it seems like our team stinks at zone defense it feels like all, every time that they're having like big plays or a team will get you know a 20 yard pass down the field 
it's always because there's a soft spot in the zone, which like that's how zones work. Um, quarterbacks have to be able to find it, but I just feel like we have such good man coverage players and we never in critical downs. It didn't feel like we did that at all in this, in this game at least. And it didn't feel like we blitzed very often either. I don't know the actual numbers on that one, but it didn't feel like we were blitzing as much as normal. Maybe it's just because we knew we weren't going to get there, but you got to try it, you know, Um, more often than I think we did. Also, um, the I'll talk more about Trey in the injury section here, um, but because I pulled some stuff for him, but we don't, especially with Hubbard injured, like you mentioned with Osai, like we don't have anybody to help him in the pass rush. Like DJ reader and BJ Hill are excellent in the middle, but like, I'm talking like edge rushers, like especially when Sam Hubbard's not there. I mean, I, I keep hearing, I keep seeing on Twitter about how miles Murphy, everyone's like, Oh, you shouldn't have made fun of that <laughs> draft pick. I'm like, what his one sack on the season is supposed to make me feel like he's disrupting all of these games. Like, Maybe he's going to be awesome and maybe he can try to fill in and step up because this is the time to do it. But like if you're a first round pick edge rusher in today's NFL, you better be pretty damn good. And like this is the time for you to come in and actually show that you are worth the first round pick. And I know he's a little bit of a project, but like now's the time we we have injuries on the defensive line. We can't get home to quarterbacks. Trey's the only one that seems to be able to do it even a little bit. And we we need it. So now's the time. Nick Scott is also ranked dead last in the entire league among all safeties in pro focus grade. Um, wow. I thought he started the year pretty well. I felt like he was all over the place. He was making tackles, making some good hits. Um, I think he had a pick or two. I'm not yes. entirely sure what happened, but he looks lost now in the last few games. And I think the, the pro football focus grade does not always tell the entire story, but I just am not entirely sure what's going on where he's not playing well at all recently. But in battle time, I love Jordan battle. I'd be, you know, I'd be all right with that switch even for a game or two to trial it out. But if he's playing so poorly, like the, the worst of the safeties in the entire NFL, um, I think it's time to, to try someone new and Jordan battle is, uh, a good a good time to maybe make that transition or start seeing if it's if he's the guy for parts of this year. Um, only two other couple things is just that you should you should be able to win football games when you score twenty seven points. So especially when you leave probably ten points on the board from turnovers with like the pick and the or touchdown and the field goal that hopefully we would have gotten. So somewhere between you know six and ten points we left on the board. So. But I mean, 20, we still scored 27 points. Like your defense has to be able to slow down people a little bit. And, you know, normally we've been okay, I guess, somewhere in the middle at that. But 27 points should win you a game, I think. Um, So that's just a bummer that it was not enough. And I have this actually both in the positives and the negatives, but I have Joe Burrow's two interceptions in my negatives. They were very, very, very uncharacteristic, which was a bummer, which is why they're in the negatives. Cause like if they were like, you know, tip balls, whatever, I don't care about interceptions, but both of them were just like, one was a missed throw and one was a throw he never should have made in the first place. So two bad 
throws led to two bad interceptions that very much impacted the game. That's all I got for negatives. Like good negatives. Unfortunately, I just, those interceptions, especially the first one, like I, I get he was trying to throw a seam to Drew Sample, but at that moment of the game, I don't think he should be throwing that to Drew Sample. No disrespect to Drew. He had a nice touchdown against the Bills, but no, no. Also, I, 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 yeah. I don't know if you've watched the All-22 for that play yet. I haven't. Um, it's <laughs> it's going to make you sad. Um, I, I mean, at the time he threw it, so like as he was getting ready, about to release the ball, Obviously, you know, the, he was open, you know. Like, yeah. They were playing yeah. zone. He read the zone perfectly. It was just a little bit too high, and then it tipped right into the hands. That's just, you know, it's unfortunate that a missed a missed throw by just a little bit screws you over like that. But um, the guy was open. But also, <laughs> everybody was open. Like, every single receiver. Chase was open up the top. I think it was Irwin on the bottom. Joe Mixon had a check down route. And like, I know he's like, oh, okay, I can make this throw. The guy's open. I may as well throw it. And it sucks. They just missed it a little bit. But like, when you watch, you'll see what I mean. Like pause it right as he's about to throw it. Everybody's like a step away from being wide open. Man. It stinks. It uh, stinks. I, I, yeah. I feel like those things happen where if you're a quarterback, like if you feel locked in at, at a, at a specific receiver, Obviously, you're going to look back at film and be like, oh, shit, this other player's open. Damn. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's frustrating. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, there is positives from this game. And I think my first positive is Jamar Chase. He was on the injury report all last week with the back injury that he sustained against the Bills on Sunday night football. And during that week, we were all thinking, is he going to play? And he did some warm-ups before the game, and Zach Taylor pretty much said, it's up to you, man. Do you want to play? And Jamar's like, I'm good to go. And, you know, the Texans were double-teaming Jamar, but he finally got loose on that 64-yard touchdown reception. And I know that he's, he was limited, but in no case, Jamar Chase should only get six targets. Like, you got to at least try to get him the ball. You know, he always says he's fucking open. He is. Now, I know he's limited by the back, but I think his back injuries, I think he's fine. But only six targets. I know he got five catches for 124, but still, though. But it's a, it's a good sign that he's, he's going to be okay and that that injury was just a soreness injury and not, like, a major injury. And then my other positive is cornerback, rookie cornerback, DJ Turner, man. After overcoming that lame pass interference call he had in the first half, he had that big pass breakup to give the Bengals a shot late in the game on that third down play where he was stride for stride with Tank Dell. And Tank Dell made a move, but DJ Turner, obviously, he ran the fastest 40 in this year's NFL draft combine. He kept up with him, and he just made one hell of an athletic play, tipped the ball one hand, and... Listen, Awuzie, I still think that he's still trying to come back from his ACL injury. I don't think he's 100%. I think he's still, you know, I think he's probably, if I had to guess the percentage of healthiness for him, I think he's at 90. I just don't think he has that that quick step yet. And then obviously, I think his back injury, it might be ailing him or not. But 
And I think it's safe to say that I think DJ Turner should give more reps than him. I'm not saying Cheeto's a bad player. Obviously not. I just think DJ Turner is the better player right now. And also he's he's healthier, but he's definitely going to be cornerback one of the future for the Cincinnati Bengals on the defensive front for sure. And then Cam Taylor Brick continues his all pro worthy season. Another interception. I believe that's is that four picks in four games for CTB? I think it is. Well, let's see. I think so. He had a pick against the Seahawks. He didn't have an interception against the Niners. He had a pick against the Bills. He had a pick in this one. That's no, that's just three interceptions in four games Still, for CTB. Though. Yeah. So he's having one hell of a year. And even though his, uh, I saw his pro football focus grade wasn't the best in this game, which is, I was like, really? But I guess the Bengals defense as a whole did not play well. But since week five, CTB in coverage, He's had 29 targets. He's allowed 15 receptions, four picks, three-fourths incompletions, and a 51.4 passer rating allowed. So I believe those numbers that he has developed throughout the whole year deserves him to be at least in the conversation for being an all-pro player. And then Trey Henderson, thankfully, his knee injury is not as worse as we all thought it was. Looking at that vi- at that video after the game, he has the most quarterback pressures in the NFL since week eight. He has 23 pressures. T.J. Watt is number two of 18, and then Jermaine Johnson has 17. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for my positives and I'm trying to think if there's any more from this game I'm trying to think if I left anything off no that's pretty much it what you got no I I, I love all those too I actually didn't write Cam Taylor Britt I almost have taken him for granted this week to be honest just because <laughs> um, sometimes I feel like when I'm thinking about the positives I'm thinking of all the things I you know saw but with as we know, if you're an excellent cornerback, we're probably not hearing from you much at all throughout the game, which again is what he's done. So you really like at this point, CTB is getting to the point where other than a couple tackles he'll make throughout the game, like you're really not going to hear from him because he's just doing his job over there and doing his thing, which is excellent. So big fan of his as always. There were some flashes of really awesome stuff on offense. The play calling sometimes could be weird, but um the good news is we still have joe burrow as our quarterback and the other good news is that the last two seasons so when we went to the super bowl and when we lost in the asc championship game um both of those seasons we also started five and four so i know it's like it's ridiculous that we keep finding ourselves in this situation and that we can't just you know coast into the playoffs for once but maybe next year's that year but Boy, would it be nice to actually do that, but this is not that year. But I'm not panicking because we've been in this exact situation two straight years, and I think that last year's ending to the schedule was more difficult than this year's is. And so there's maybe a little more injury concern this year than last year, but I I still like our shot to get into the playoffs. I don't know. The division, if we lose against the Ravens this week especially, is probably slipping out of grasp, but... The playoffs is still very much in reach. There's a lot of, we're only like a little bit over halfway through the year. So there's a lot of football to be played and we still have Joe Burrow running the offense. So I'm still 
I'm still considering that a positive because at the very least, I like that we have that guy running the team. Um, I mentioned that I put the Joe Burrow interceptions in the positives and the negatives. Not that I think any interceptions are positives, but I do think that those are complete anomalies. Like Joe Burrow is not the guy that's throwing picks because of inaccuracy. And he's not the guy that's throwing the picks into dumb triple coverage. Like that's not what he does. And so I know that he probably looked at that surface tablet and was like stupid. Like I knew coming off the field. So I'm, I'm pretty confident he's not going to continue to make those mistakes because that's just not who he is. So I'm, I'm it's in the positives for me because I think it was an anomaly. Um, my last one here. Um, I think there, I mean, it was still like, we put up 27 points. It wasn't like a disaster of a game. So there still were positives, but like of the ones I wrote, I wrote down anyway. Um, Tyler Boyd did have eight catches for 117 yards and the two really, really, really tough dropped balls were definitely in the negatives category. One was on a, a crucial third down early in the game. And then the potential game winning touchdown um, that we could have won the game and made them had to drive down with no timeouts to get a touchdown would have been, or one timeout would have been a much, much better situation for our defense and for the team. But at the end of the day, he still had a really good game. I'm trying to not get too upset that he dropped that ball. Just hoping later in the season that we're not going to need this one back. Um, but oh, tiebreaker. Still had a good game. This was his, he had eight catches for 117. It's his first eight catch game since week seven of last season, and it's first his first hundred yard game since week seven of last year. So it's nice that we know he can still be relied upon as you know, T Higgins gets hurt, for example. That's the thing too, is like um, my last, you know, piece on this positive part was I feel like in, in our podcast, the last, I don't know, at least this season for sure, as we're thinking about like, oh gosh, Jamar Chase might not play or T Higgins might not play. I feel like my mind at least has jumped straight to like, okay, Trent Irwin's going to step up. Okay. Yoshi's going to step up. I guess we're going to use the tight ends. I feel like we, you know, me at least i know you've been talking more about tyler boyd um when we've been talking about who's gonna have a big game and stuff like that but i feel like i am almost skipping over him at times um and he reminded me why i should not do that yeah i i, I, I it is tyler boy's birthday today so happy birthday tyler boy happy as birthday. you always says levels there's levels to this bitch but um yeah, I think sometimes when I think about the Bengals receiving crew, and like you said, if Chase and Higgins both miss a game, we think about Irwin and the tight ends, and we don't think about Tyler Boyd. It's like, oh, shit, he's still on this team. And like I said earlier, the Bengals would have not been in that position to even win the game if he didn't have that big fourth quarter. Obviously, the drop touchdown pass didn't help, but he, he was a big factor in the – Miracle almost comeback. So I I really hope Tyler Boyd has a redemption game against the Ravens on Thursday night football. Is it gonna happen? I don't know, but we'll see. He's had some good moments at Baltimore. Hint hint 2017, where he helped the Bills make the playoffs for the first time in like 3,000 years. So Tyler Boyd, he has some moments against the Ravens, and let's hope he has another moment on Thursday night football. Okay, 
you talk about T. Higgins and the injuries, and that's we'll, we'll talk about the injuries right now. The Bengals have three injuries. Okay, so right now, Trey, Trey, blah, blah, blah. See, my words all over the place. <laughs> Trey Henderson, that knee injury, he looks like he's going to be fine. He's going to play on Thursday. Sam Hubbard and T. Higgins did not practice at all today as we record this podcast on a Wednesday. And I saw a tweet from Adam Schefter that they say that T. Higgins is not playing, obviously, with a hamstring injury. <clears throat> now, T. Higgins, at his time as an NFL player, at his time as a Cincinnati Bengal, he's had, I believe, in I believe two or three occasions of hamstring injuries. And I don't know why. I just feel like, are we, like, not giving him a proper leg strength training regimen or is he doing enough yoga? I, I don't know. But for some reason, for some reason, T Higgins is, he's injury prone and it usually happens at like the middle of the season, the most important parts of the season. So I don't know what to do with that. And when you're a receiver in NFL hamstring injuries, that's very difficult. You have to be 100%. And I understand why the Bengals are saying, no, you're not playing on Thursday night because there's no way your hamstring is going to be healed all the way to 1%. And you're coming off a short week. No way. Not happening. So I think they're pretty much going to tell T, you need to rest. After this game, you have 10 days off until the next game against the Steelers on the 26th of this month. Hopefully by then, you should be 100%. You hope. And then I don't know what to do with Sam Hubbard's ankle. But I guess the Bengals are playing it safe and say, you know what? As of this game, you have 10 days off, and then you better be hopefully healthy. Hopefully that ankle will be healthy by the Steeler game. So I just think, like you said, this 5-4 and four start right now, it feels different just because of key injuries on the team. And I just hope, knock on wood, that there's no more injuries. I just hope we get out of this Ravens game with just, just minor, you know, scrapes and burns. That's going to happen when you play football, but just no injuries because the Bengals, and especially this team this year, they can't afford injuries on key spots in this team. So, yeah, that's pretty much my take on these injuries, and I'm just hoping for no more, no more injuries. What you got? Yeah. Um, yeah, without T, I, I agree. There, there's got to be some like yoga stretching routine that we need to get this guy on. Like, I, if especially because, because I mean, hamstring is not something that you can play through if you're a wide receiver. So that needs to, that, you know, hopefully that's not a lingering thing. Cause I know hamstrings can linger for a very long time. Um, Sam Hubbard out, Yoshi out. That stinks. But um, I said this earlier. I think this is a, a great day for Miles Murphy to show us who he is um, and why we drafted him in the first round. Trey is going to play, looks like, but he's not going to be 100%. He still looks good in the drills, but he's probably not 100%. So we're going to need help somewhere. No Sam Hubbard. Um, DJ Reader and BJ Hill are good and very disruptive in the middle, but they're not like sack guys. So we need to find someone that can help us get pressure and get sacks. Maybe we need to dial up the corners a little more on some of those kind of plays. Lou, we've seen Lou do that um, a little more creatively, so that could happen. But, I mean, 
I, I know I'm going to be watching Miles Murphy a lot more this game. I'd love for him to get a lot more snaps. I'd love for him to be disruptive and um, have at least a few good plays and try to be a force out there on the other side of the edge of Trey. And speaking of Trey, here's my deep dive for you that I did earlier today. So a few stats here. First one, the Bengals are 4-1 and one this year when Trey gets at least one sack. And the Bengals are one and three when Trey gets zero or a half sack. So whenever he's doing his thing, whenever he gets a sack, we're winning games. And whenever he doesn't get sack and he's not the one that's disruptive, we're losing games. And people on, you know, ESPN, NFL media, whatever, they talk about having closers on your team, right? Like someone that is an edge rusher that if you're winning at the end of a game, or losing, but like need it. But like, it's usually when you're winning and you need someone on the defensive line to just go get a sack to win the game and close the game out. And we really have that like this. So when I was looking at this earlier, it says on ESPN, it says that Trey has eight and a half sacks. I went through each game's play by play and just like wrote where it said that he got a sack or a half sack. And I counted 10 and a half. So I'm a little confused on that. But these numbers, just so you know, add up to 10 and a half, not the eight and a half. I'm not sure where it got messed up, but regardless. Um, <laughs> this is by quarter. Okay. So Trey's sacks this year by quarter, if it adds up to 10 and a half. One in the first quarter, two in the second quarter, three in the third quarter, and four and a half in the fourth quarter. So when we need this dude to turn it on the most, he has seven and a half sacks this year in in the second half of the game. So, you know, I guess maybe it's like the OL gets a little tired. Maybe he just becomes more of a crazy person later in the game as the game goes on. But he gets stronger. He gets stronger, but he's he's a guy that gets better as the game goes on. And when we're in positions where we need to play really good defense, much more often than not, he's the guy that's gonna get us a sack and help close out those games. So we need someone else to help him out, especially with Sam Hubbard out. But if Trey Hendrickson can stay healthy, this this defense is a world of different, like completely different defense. Mm, mm. Those are, I like that stat by quarter. So pretty much Trey Henderson is a Hendrickson is a menace in the second half, but he, he just needs to get to the quarterback. But I, I just feel like the Bengals staff needs to move Trey around. Stop leaving him in that specific p- position of the of the uh, line. Move him around. That's all I want. I know they won't do that, but you just got to do something different to get the pass rush, get some momentum going early on in the game, set the tone, dictate it, whatever it is. It's I agree. It's frustrating. Um, so I think we can be done talking about the Houston Texans and move on to the Baltimore Ravens and – I mean, it's a big game. Thursday night football. Ravens, 7-3 and three on the season. They're coming off a disappointing loss. They blew a double-digit lead at home to the Cleveland Browns, losing 33-31 to 31 at the buzzer. The first game, the Ravens beat the Bengals in Week 2 in Cincinnati, 27-24. In that game, Lamar Jackson was 24-33 for 33 for 237, two touchdowns. He was sacked. Zero time. He had all the time in the world. And like we talked about, pass rush. If you, if 
if Lamar has another game like he did in the first meeting, we're, we're, we're not winning this game. It, it could get ugly. And then in this game, he had 12 carries for 54 yards rushing. That's four and a half average yards per rush. Gus Edwards had 10 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown. Justice Hill had 11 carries for 41 yards. You know that the Ravens running back during that running back meeting room during the week, they're looking at the Bengals run defense. They saw Devin Singletary go off like he's freaking Emmett Smith, and they're like, oh, fuck, we can go off, all three of us, and that just makes me want to throw up. I hope that doesn't happen. And then in this game, Nelson Aglahor had five catches. He actually caught the football, 63 yards and a touchdown. Zay Flowers had 43 catches. 43 catches. That would be amazing shit. Four catches for 62 yards, including a big 52-yard reception that set the Ravens up to score their touchdown in the first half. Mark Andrews had five catches for 45 yards, including a touchdown on eight targets. And then to the Bengals, Joe Burr in this game, he was still going through his calf injury. He did be injured his calf late in the game. And he was 27 for 41 for 222 passing yards, two touchdowns in the pick. He was sacked once. Mixon had 13 carries for 59 yards. He averaged four and a half yards per rush. T. Higgins had a really good game. After having no catches, no targets against the Browns in the opener, he had eight catches for 89 yards and two touchdowns on 12 targets. T. Higgins will not be playing in meeting number two. That's going to be a big deal. Overall, Lamar Jackson this year, he has passed for 2,000. 177 yards, 10 touchdowns, five interceptions. He has ran the ball for 481 and five touchdowns. He has 92 carries. Gus Edwards has ran for 502 and eight touchdowns. Zay Flowers having a good rookie year, 50 catches for 545 and one touchdown. Mark Andrews, 43 catches for 521 and six touchdowns. Odell Beckham Jr. in his last Three games, he's had two touchdowns, so good for him, I guess. And Nelson Aguilar has 18 catches on the year for 224 and two touchdowns. What leads the Ravens this year is their defense, led by Rokron Smith, Patrick Queen, Kyle Hamilton, Javion Clowney's having a good year, and Justin Metabike. They have 39 sacks, and that scares me. But also... The Ravens do have some injuries as well. Offensive tackle Ronnie Stanley and quarterback Marcus Humphrey. They're both questionable, but I think John Harbaugh said today that they should play on Thursday night football. So, man, if I had the keys for the Bengals, if they want to upset the Ravens, because, yes, the Bengals are underdogs in this game, you need to get off to a fast start, obviously. And they have been doing that. But you need to keep that aggression all game, Zach Taylor. And not have one good drive and then just shit the bed and just keep putting the ball and not not having, you know, momentum or any rhythm. You got to keep, you know, the foot on the fucking gas. Stop the run. Can the Bengals run defense do that in this game? I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't see it, but we can, we can pray before the game. And then... The offensive line needs to be physical from the get-go. The Houston Texans, obviously, the D-line was the physical team last week. You got to be against this Ravens front who can get to the quarterback. 
if you don't do that, if I see Joe Burrow already on the ground in their first offensive drive like twice, I know it's going to be a long day, and I'm going to be like, well, all right, well, we're definitely going to lose this game. And then the running game, it needs to be some sort of a factor. The Ravens do have a good run defense. Just don't, like, don't neglect the run game. Like, if Mixon feels like he can get something, he has something going in the first meeting, but then Zach's like, no, 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 we no, no, no. 10 plus carries is too much. All right, Joe. Even though you're hurt, you're gonna still pass and you're still gonna attempt like 41 passes. Like, what the fuck? No, don't neglect the running game. And then for the Bengals defense, please, 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 please tackle and stop going for the strip. If you if you know you can't strip the ball, just fucking tackle the man. Don't let your don't let your man don't let the fucking receiver get extra more yards. Don't do that, especially in this game. Field position is going to be important. I I swear, if I see that happening tomorrow night as I watch this game, I I, I might lose it. I might lose it. Tackle, fucking tackle, and then pass rush. Anyone? Trey's going to play, but I'm going to need you, Miles Murphy. I'm going to need you, Joseph Masai. Step up. And then I think Cam Sample is going to play for Sam Hubbard. None of y'all were non-existent in the game on Sunday. Can you guys please do something? Something. Do I have faith in you guys? No. But it's like, can you please just, like, give me some hope? Just a little bit? Please? Thank you. And then in this game, it's the AFC North rivalry game. Both teams don't really like each other. They respect each other, but don't really like each other when, obviously, when they're playing each other. Um... Let's not have stupid penalties. Let's not have after-the-stuff curriculum shit. None of that, please. It's going to be a highly, highly emotional game. Both teams are coming off heartbreaking losses. I don't know which one's worse, the Bengals or the Ravens. I think the Ravens because you were up at that. You were beating the Browns by, like, 15 points. You had that game in control, and then you allow that team to come back and score, I don't know how many, 20-plus points in the second half. You're playing against a quarterback that is a fucking creep, and he had a fucking torn shoulder in his shoulder, and you let him to come back? Damn. If I'm the Ravens, I'm like, damn, I think that's the worst loss in the Bengals. Either way, it's going to be an emotional game. I don't know what to expect. I am not going to make no damn predictions on this game. Like, I haven't done that since the opening game against the Browns, but if the Bengals somehow lose this game, the season's not over. It's just the AFC North trying to go for a three-peat. And that's likely over. And you have to start thinking about wild card and scoreboard watching. All that shit's going to be really, really, really stressful. So that is pretty much my preview of the game tomorrow night. Or if you guys listen to this podcast right now on a Thursday, tonight. What do you got, Tommy? Oof, yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, we well, said you didn't know if um, if the Ravens would do well in the rush game against us. I do know, and they will. <laughs> um, the Raven, I mean, the Ravens are number one in the league in rushing yards. And oh. last I checked, our rush defense was not good. So, 31st. hey, maybe it'll surprise me. It can no. happen. Uh, but I doubt it. Um, the, when the Brown, so the Browns just had a comeback victory against the Ravens. When, from the clips I saw, and I didn't watch the whole game, but of the ones that I saw, it looked like the Browns were like out physicaling the Ravens, which is not something that tends to happen to them a ton. The problem with that is that we can't do that because we can't out physical anybody because we're a finesse team. 
and we're a very good finesse team, but I finesse teams do not seem to be doing excellent against that defense. So let's try to make it happen. Let's try to use the primetime Joe Burrow magic to uh, see what we can do about that. But you mentioned, since you mentioned the running backs, I'll kind of dive into this too. I've been seeing on like Twitter and stuff about how the Jets, you know, didn't sign or cut Michael Carter. And they're saying that the the Bengals should like try to sign Michael Carter, like Clyde Edwards, Alaire or something like that. And Michael Carter went to UNC. So I'm obviously a big fan of his. And I think that he just kind of got buried in a depth chart for no reason. Cause he's a really solid back. Um, but I, I don't know why we're pretending like, if he came here, he wouldn't get three snaps per game, two of which would be pass blocking. It's like we don't even give Joe Mixon the time of day in this offense. And Joe, and Joe Mixon is the guy who, so, I mean, supposedly, and from everything I've heard from him his entire career, is that Joe Mixon gets better and better as the game goes on because the defense wears down, he gets stronger, and he does great late in games after you know 20 to 25 carries. And I think we just literally aren't getting him to the threshold where we can let him loose throughout the day because we're not using him enough. And, I mean, Chris Evans, I think, has 10 carries the entire year. Chase Brown has two carries the entire year. So I don't know why we're pretending like if bringing in another running back is going to do literally anything at all because we don't even use the ones that we have. And we just drafted two in the last two drafts and we don't fucking use them. So that's a small mini rant, but... I agree. Get mixing the ball more. As I just said, he, he gets better once he hits like the 20 plus carries um, threshold throughout the game. And I just, we just don't get him that option enough where he can start like actually getting let loose. Um, so we'll see if we actually do that. And the Bengals, I, I forget the last I checked, we were second least or third least, but like, the Bengals do not run play action passes. It just, it we don't do it. Um, I think the reason is because we know our run game is so shit that no one's going to buy into it. I think just for one game, just try reverse psychology. Like, why? I, I would run play action passes all the time. Because, like, I'm sure on the defensive side, they're like, there's no fucking way they're going to do play action because we know that they're not going to run it. We know they're not going to run it. We're not scared of them running it, but that's exactly why it might work. <laughs> like if everyone's like, Oh, if it looks like a run play, they're going to run it because they never run play action passes and their running game sucks. So then they're all playing the run and the pass might work. I just think we should try it a couple times. Um, why not? Right. Like literally nothing. I like Zach Taylor wants to be all cute on these fourth down plays. Just maybe try to be cute on first down in the second quarter. Like it doesn't always have to be fourth down in the fourth quarter for us to try something like whatever. He's not going to do that, but that's, that's my thought Um, for Lamar. I think this is a huge key in how we're going to win this game. If we're going to win it, Lamar's touchdowns to turnovers this year is 15 to seven. He has in the air, 10 touchdowns, passing five picks. And then um, on the ground, five touchdowns and two fumbles. So, He's thrown, you know, seven turnovers. We we have been known to force some fumbles. We've been known to get some picks. So I think if we can make him 
look like that and start getting those turnovers. Once again, that's always the key to the game for me is forcing turnovers because we have the second best turnover differential in the league right now. And I just um I just would love to to get a couple turnovers on Lamar and really flip the script of this game. Especially going into Baltimore, we're gonna need some some big plays like that to make it happen. And this is another big thing. Enough, Lamar Jackson at home has four touchdowns and three interceptions. So he's actually playing worse at home, which is weird, but we are playing them at their home. So maybe he'll continue that trend for one more game. Also, once again, the numbers are right in front of you for how we win this game. Lamar in wins has nine touchdowns and two interceptions. In losses, one touchdown, three interceptions. Not much else to say about that. We have to force the turnovers. We have to make him uncomfortable and get him to fumble or throw a pick or two. And then we, I mean, that's that's how we win this game, I think. I think it's going to be really, really difficult to win um, without forcing those turnovers. And um, so let's see if we do it. The Ravens' defense, unfortunately, number one in the NFL in points allowed, number two in the NFL in total yards allowed, number four in the NFL in pass yards allowed, and then number 11 in the NFL in rush yards allowed. Not that we'll try to exploit that anyways. Um, <laughs> and the Ravens offense is number nine in total yards, number one in rush yards. Excellent. And number five in points score. So they do it on both ends. It's going to be a grind if, if we get this win. And that's why I think like they do everything really well. They run the ball really well. They pass the ball really well on offense. They stop just about everything from everybody on defense. So that's why I think those turnovers are going to be the most crucial thing that we can do in this game is force the turnovers because they're going to do, they're going to run all over us. It's just going to happen. Maybe if we can limit Lamar and force some turnovers, that's how we sneak our way into this victory. And then as far as the AFC North goes, I agree. I think if we, I think if we win this game, the entire division is still up for grabs. Um, we have some work to do on our division record, but it can, it can happen still. Um, trying to be cautiously optimistic about that. If we lose, I I do believe that you're right, that I think the division's out of out of reach because I think that would put us three games behind Baltimore or two and a half, which two is, half, you yeah. know, there's not a whole lot of time left. So we would have to bank on the Ravens losing most of the rest of their games, which probably won't happen. Um, they have an insanely easy rest of their way too, I think. Um, maybe not. Maybe I'm actually thinking of someone else, but regardless. Um so I think it's a must win, in my opinion, for keeping our division winner hopes alive. But even if we lose this game, we still can make the playoffs. And I mean, even if we lose and we're five and five, right? Um, I mean, some of the, these teams have to get in. Like the Chiefs are, are going to get in. The Ravens are probably going to get in. The Jags, I think, will get in. The Dolphins seem like close to a lock for the AFC East. And then it's wild cards from there. And I think it'll probably end up being some combination of the Bengals, the Browns, the Texans, the Chargers, very possibly the Jets. And the very Steelers. The Colts, very possibly the Steelers. I just think eventually the... I think the Steelers, I don't want to say luck because it's not luck, but like eventually when you're a bad football team, you have to lose the damn games. 
Like eventually <laughs> that's going to happen. They've been outscore. They've been outgained in yards in every single game this year and are six and three, which like their defense is good. TJ Watt is good. Kenny Pickett is okay. Um, they have, I mean, one of the best coaches in the league, but like eventually I think that that's going to flip and they're going to start losing these games because there's just, it's not sustainable. It doesn't make sense to me. The Browns, I think, I mean, if there's some random vet that they can try to sign or if they think like Thompson Robinson or um, PJ Walker is actually going to play, but their defense is also insane that like, I think that they could probably go close to 500 the rest of the way and still make the playoffs. If they go 500 the rest of the season, they're 10 and seven, which is probably enough, especially with the tiebreakers they have. Um, Texans have the tiebreaker over us. So if they end up with the same record, that's tough for us. And then the Chargers seem to be kind of finding their way a little bit, um, but still struggled. I mean, against the Lions, they let up some points, I think. So um, we'll see. We'll see about that. Anyway, that was a very long way of saying that I think if we win the game against the Ravens, we can keep the division hopes alive and we give ourselves a much better shot at the wild card regardless. And then if we lose, I think we're really just going to be scratching and clawing the rest of the season for a playoff spot. But with Joe Burrow and with this team, we've seen it in the past. We just need to get to the dance and then figure it out from there. So however we need to get into the playoffs, let's do it. But um, let's control our own destiny and just start winning games. Yeah. And it starts by winning in Baltimore. And if the Bengals, if for this game, if the Ravens score, let's say for the whole game, they score 23 points, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I think the Bengals are going to win. But if, if the Ravens score like 27, 30 points, no way. We, we, we have no shot. And that's yeah. not me, that's not me saying that the offense can't put up numbers. It's just at their place and just the way they allow those points in the second half to the Browns. They're going to be obviously very, very pissed off. Same with the Bengals. I I just see this game being like almost like the game last year when we went there on Sunday night football and we lost at the buzzer. I feel like that's going to be that type of game. Physical game. Maybe low. It, it could be low scoring. May not be. We, I don't know. All I know and guarantee that it will be a physical, emotional type of game. <clears throat> And, well, we'll see. And the AFC North, I mean, Cleveland just lost their quarterback. Oh, God, you hate to see that. And then eventually the Steelers are going to lose these games when they're, when they're getting out game. Like, come come the fuck on, man. Right. They played the Browns this weekend in Cleveland. I, The Browns can't win that game. I can see that. They, the Browns can definitely beat the Steelers this weekend. Obviously, they can. But if the Steelers somehow win that game in Cleveland and getting out game again, I'm thinking to myself, Something is over the Steelers this year. Some angel, and I know that angel has to be, like, the devil because <laughs> why will anybody want to look over the Pittsburgh Steelers because, you know, fuck that team, fuck that whole state, whatever. Anyways, yeah, I must win. Can the Bengals win? Yes. Is it possible they're going to lose? Yes. I'm trying to – I want to be – I want to be positive. I want to be optimistic. I was very nervous for the Texans game. This game – I'm really not. It's pretty much like I told you today. It's pretty much, fuck it, we ball or not. That's pretty much it. 
we lose, the season's not over. We win, let's go. It almost has that feel when we came out of that bye week and we're playing in San Francisco. Like, I was not nervous for that game because I was just like, eh, we lose, okay, it's not the end of the world, but we win, let's go. I had that type of feel, even though we do have some injuries on this team, but um, I'm getting the sense of San Francisco 49ers vibes when it comes to leading up to this game. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm looking forward to watching it. But if, if it starts off that we're not starting off well, I might have to turn it off or just leave the place that I am going to watch the game at tomorrow. So, yeah. All right, sir. Uh, trivia time. I, I got to get this on the, the first try. Let's go. What do you got? <laughs> All right. Um, this happens surprisingly not often at all do you know the last game that jamar chase and t higgins both had 100 plus yards on the same day oh oh my gosh oh man okay i'm gonna say huh i'm gonna say against the ravens in 2021 yeah let's go <laughs> let's go at home against baltimore december 26 2021 when joe burrow went for like 540 yep 525 game yes they've both had like i mean jamar chase has had plenty of 100 yard games t higgins has actually had a lot of 100 yard games they just never happen to be on the same day right yeah one for one let's go yeah t had two touchdowns in that game and then Jamar, he had over 100 yards, but he didn't, he didn't score in that game. It didn't, it didn't matter because the Bengals, you know, beat the shit out of the Ravens. Oh, let's <laughs> go. Maybe this is an omen. Maybe this is an omen saying the Bengals are going to win against the Ravens tomorrow or tonight, wherever, whenever you guys are listening to this podcast. Let's go. I just, yeah, I just, I was like randomly looking up that stack. So I was like, ah, I feel like it hasn't happened in a while. And then when the answer was Baltimore, I was like, oh, yeah, that's the question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very fitting, too. Good job. One for one. Thank you. Thank you. Question two. How many Heisman Trophy winners have the Bengals drafted? (sighs) Okay. Oof. This is is not a trick question, Jesse. Two. (laughs) It's actually three. Oh, I know it's Carson and Joe. Who's the other one? Archie Griffin in 1976. Oh, wow. I didn't know if you knew that one, but I was like, eh, it might be a little tricky because obviously Carson and Joe we knew, but I I honestly, I didn't know we drafted Archie Griffin. I did not either. Wow. Okay. All right. I'm not really too upset about that one, but wow. Okay. Damn. Archie Griffin? Wait. What, what, uh, do you know what round he was drafted? First round. He first round. He was like twenty fourth overall. Did we like trade him or did he? Even play <laughs> I don't again? remember him ever actually playing. <laughs> right. Also, I mean, this was like in the eighties. Let's check. Archie Griffin. First, actually, he only ever played in Cincinnati. He played from nineteen seventy six to nineteen eighty two. So he played was that seven seasons. He actually started the first two seasons. He started basically all of most of the games. His, I mean. Year one, 625 yards, three three touchdowns. Second year, 549, zero touchdowns, 484, 688. Like, he never got above 700 yards in a season, so I think we probably gave up on him because 
1980, when he was only 26 years old, this was his fifth season. He had he only started in seven games. He had 85 carries for 260, zero touchdowns, and then basically didn't play the rest of his career. Wow. Uh, great college. Yeah, that, yeah, great college, but I mean, he won back-to-back Heismans, but you don't yeah. really hear about Archie Griffin having any success in the NFL. Wow. Oh, did not, really did not know he was a Bengal. Ain't that a bitch? What? I think I knew that we had him eventually, but I definitely thought that he like just kind of found his way over here after right. stint somewhere else. Wow. Okay. Okay. That, those are good. Yeah. You, that's that's it for trivia. That's yeah. Got one that's more. It. Just All the right. two. Well, I'm happy that I finally got one on the money for the first time all season. So. Hopefully that's a good omen that the Bengals are going to win and we're going to take off or not. You just, you just never know. <laughs> True. Uh, all right, man. It's been a good podcast. We had a, you know, we had to pretty much vent the loss against the Texans, but I'm over it. It's on the Baltimore. And if you can somehow, the Bengals can somehow get this W then. Okay. You get 10 days off, you get to rest and get those players that are injured back to being almost hundred percent. And then, you know, as the calendar is about to flip to December real soon, Bengals do play their best football. So here we go. You got anything to add before we are out of here? Only last quick thing is the, the Bengals official account on Twitter messaged mm-hmm. about two hours ago or posted a picture of us, like of players like in the jungle. The three players on the front, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and CTB. So I like that CTB is starting to make the covers. Well deserved. I mean, he is playing like a all pro this year. I love that. Cam Taylor Brett has made it. He has True. made it. Good for Want him. Love that. After every single Bengal game, there's always going to be an instant reaction podcast. And I think the last one I did for the Texans game, I was borderline sad and borderline angry because I just that game was just. I don't recommend that for anybody any fan base except for the Steelers because fuck them but yeah anybody I don't recommend that but I'll be doing that instant reaction pod after this game very late at night probably around like 12 30 in the morning but hopefully the Bengals can win so I can like have a good time and just you know just have I just man I just I don't know man I just (laughs) I'm not saying the season's gonna be over but it's like fuck man if we would just beat the Texans you coming in this game six and three, and the Ravens are seven and three. It's pretty much the battle for first place. That's what's kind of like making me Girl. mad that it could have been like the battle for first place. Now it's like, okay, which team is going to overcome losing the heartbreaker game they suffered last Sunday? So true. Yeah. yeah. Well, All right, man. It's always a pleasure, my guy. You too. All right. We are out. Peace. And also, who day? The who day nation? It's going to be okay. Okay. As long as we got number nine, there's always hope. But we got to be praying either you're listening to this podcast today on game day, pray before the game, okay? I think the Bengals are going to need a lot out of it. All right, I'm talking too much. We're out. Peace.